a reading from Mark. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of the Lord. It is easy for us intelligent and driven and sophisticated people to become overly enamored with our power to make decisions and choices, as if Nothing in our lives happens unless we decide for it to happen. Of course, what we believe and where we will live and those sorts of things, those are all important, and it would be indeed silly to discount them. And even belonging to God is not a matter of just going limp in God's arms. We are called to love and to serve and to forgive and to heal, to be truthful and to make choices so that our lives resemble Christ. But sometimes our confidence in our power to choose can become almost idolatrous. We believe that by our own good deeds and wise decisions, we are the masters of our own fate that our lives are the sum of what we choose them and decide for them to be. And if we just work hard enough, we tell ourselves, if we pray enough and we give enough and we learn enough, then we can become good disciples whom Jesus will call, all because of the good things that we've accomplished. Well, that's idolatrous. And it's peculiarly American because we have so many choices and we've been told so many times that God helps those who help themselves, which is not in the Bible, by the way. And eventually we we begin to lose sight of the power of God in our lives. The power to recruit people who've made terrible choices. The power to invade the most hapless of lives and turn them into something glorious. The power to sneak up on people who can only think about what they're having for lunch and just knock them over with the blinding glory of Jesus. Take today's Gospel lesson, for instance. Most of you hear it and you begin to think, well, I couldn't do that. That's that's really that's really tough. You worry about whether you have what it takes to be a disciple. That's what it looks like. If a clear call 
were to come to you tomorrow afternoon, could you get up from your chair and walk out the door without taking your keys and turning off the lights and going to the ATM? Could you abandon your shopping cart in front of the frozen food section at the Harris Teeter and just set off for parts unknown following somebody you don't know without stopping to call home? That's more or less what they did, you know, those first disciples. Somebody they had never seen before said, follow me. And they did. They left their families, their jobs, their homes, everything, and they followed. Not just one or two of them, but all of them. He called and they followed, for which we tend to give the disciples all the credit. Oh my, how faithful they must have been, or how strong they must have been, or how courageous these disciples must have been to just leave everything behind, even good old dad on the fishing boat, and to follow Jesus. We couldn't do that. They're, they're just so heroic in their discipleship. Well, that's, that's just nonsense. According to Mark, there was nothing hard about it at all for them. Jesus called, and they followed. Period. They didn't know him. They were not waiting for him. They took one glance at him, and that's all it took. There was no regrets, no torn hearts, nor no sad letters to girlfriends and wives after they got on the road. They just dropped what was in their hands and went after him without saying a word. It was not as if they had decided something. It's more as if somebody has decided something for them. Like something has happened to them, something outside of their control, something supernatural almost. I don't, I don't read this little story as kind of a story about how heroic the first disciples were. I, I read it as kind of a miracle story. As if it was God's power in the feeding of the 5,000 or the raising of the dead that's at work. Just listen to the language that Jesus used in the miracle stories in Mark's Gospel. Be made clean, Jesus said to the leper. And immediately he was made clean. Stand up and take your mat and go home, he said to the paralyzed man. And the man grabbed his mat and walked home. Go, your faith has made you well, he said to the blind man. And immediately he regained his sight. Follow me, he said to his disciples. And immediately they followed him. Can you, can you hear it? It's not a story about the power of human beings to change their lives, to heroically leave everything behind and follow. 
This is a story about the power of God. God who walks right up to a bunch of stinking fishermen and creates a miracle. Creating faith where before there was no faith. Creating disciples where before they were just trying to figure out how to mend a net. I know, I'm one of you, I know we like everything to be about us and our decisions and our choices. But this story is not about how smart or faithful or strong we are. It's not like God said, I've been, I've been watching you. You, you. You've got potential. I think I can use you. Uh, Uh, Yeah, come on with me. I I think I've got a place for you. That's not what happened. This is a story about God. And God's ability not only to call us, but to create us to be the kind of people who are able to follow that call. Able to follow because we just can't take our eyes off of who is ahead of us. Because he interests us more than anything else in our lives. Because he seems to know what we hunger for. Because he is our food. It's a miracle. There's no reason to turn it into some tall tale about four fishermen who've been worrying and wondering all their lives when They would be good enough to follow this wandering evangelist. They did no such thing. If they did anything under their own power at all, it was simply that they allowed themselves to fall in love. Jesus showed up. They looked at one another. And the rest was history. God acted, and the disciples let everything else just wash out to sea. Their minds were not on what they were leaving, but on what they were joining. Their hearts did not cleave to what was falling from their hands, but what their hands were reaching out to grasp. And in that God-drenched moment of their turning to follow, The miracle occurred. Their lives flowed in the same direction as the life of God. Their wills were not two, three, or four different wills, but one will. The time was fulfilled, says Mark. The kingdom comes every time our own lives are brought into the flow of God's life so that we too allow ourselves to fall, fall in love with the one who calls us. I'm no expert on these things and like, like St. Paul says, I've, I've had no direct word from the Lord about this, but uh, if you ask me, I think that we usually read this story a bit too narrowly. I am not sure that following Jesus is always a matter of leaving everything behind. It's what it meant for those fishermen. But if the story is about 
being swept into the flow of God's will and giving ourselves over to it, falling in love with the one before us, then it seems to me there will be different ways of following for all of us. Sometimes following may mean staying at home. It may mean letting the hired servants go when you stay home with Zebedee and take care of Zebedee when he can't catch any more fish. It may mean casting old nets in new ways. There are just countless ways God uses us. I had a call this week from someone who uh, said, uh, I, need, uh, I need some more cards and I need a roll of stamps. I said, well, what are the cards for? And he told me, and I, I said, uh, has, has Will approved this? Is he given the okay? I mean, it costs money. I said, who, who told you to do this? Who told you you were going to send out cards? She said, listen, I, 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 I'm home by myself. I can't go anywhere. I'm alone, and what I decided, or maybe God made me do it, I, I send out cards to people who are just like me and uh, uh, to, to cheer them up, to, to wish them a happy birthday. Uh, don't give me a hard time. I need the cards. <laughs> I said, well, I, I got a boss. And he said, she said, I got a boss. It's God. I, and uh, uh it's bigger than Malambri. I, I, I need you to get those cards. Who knows? Uh, the possibilities for following just seem endless to me. Sometimes they'll be big, and sometimes they'll be too small to mention. It would be a mistake, though, to focus too hard on our own parts in this miracle of discipleship. The God who has called us can be counted on to create us to be people who are able to follow. Whenever and however our wills spill over into the will of God, the time is fulfilled immediately and the kingdom is at hand.